It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 500 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. 500 episodes, who could have imagined? I mean, this could not have been possible without the support of all of you, the friends and loyal listeners of Accelerate. Also, very much appreciate the fact that you invest your time with me every day, and I hope that the hard work we do is providing you the value you expect with the in-depth and challenging conversations I have with guests on this show. I also appreciate the support of current and past sponsors, and also not to be forgotten, None of this would have been possible without the hard work and excellent efforts of my team, virtual and otherwise. Uh, Alec, who's been there from the beginning, helped format the show and, and get started, continue to be a big influence on day-to-day. Catherine, Ryan, Tim, David, Marty, Taylor, and Rich, thanks so much for all that you do. So joining me on the show for episode 500 is Coca Sexton. Coca is the global industry principal for social selling at Hootsuite. Many of you might also be familiar with Coca from his tenure at LinkedIn. He certainly helped to popularize and formalize the practice of social selling and elevate it into the essential part of sales that it is today. So today I want to talk with Coca about why social selling has really become just selling these days and talk about how the practice of social selling is going to evolve going forward into the future, what it means for each of you. So Coca Sexton. Welcome to Accelerate. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to being on this uh, podcast for quite a while. Well, gosh, we'll have to have you on more frequently to compensate for that. Well, didn't, me mean, didn't, didn't, mean to you, didn't mean to make you wait. <laughs> anticipation is good. <laughs> anticipation is always good. I hope, <laughs> I hope the actual experience lives up to the anticipation. <laughs> now, I'm always a big fan of delayed gratification. Yeah, I was going to say, now I feel pressure. So, All right, so we kick off the show with a question I ask all my guests. It's sort of part of maybe a research project of mine, maybe. And so this question is, in your mind, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? I think the single biggest challenge uh, facing salespeople today is how are they going to fill this pipeline for this, you know, quota that they've been given? Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I say that half jest in jest, but you know, I believe that I think the biggest problem is just how do they adapt? Um, I think salespeople are having a really hard time. I mean, I'd say the bulk of them um, are having a really hard time adjusting to this idea of how are they going to get in contact and in front of these buyers. So adapting to how buyers are changing. Correct. That's interesting. I mean, it's and undoubtedly buyers buyers are changing. I mean, and we're seeing sales change, and we're going to talk about some of that change here today, but. But do we make too much of the change? I mean, is it, um, is, it, is it actually less than it appears to the eye? Or is it actually as significant as we think? Well, I think it is significant. Um, I mean, if you look at the data, you look at you know, all the analysts out there that are talking about how buyer behavior is continuing to change and how um, you know, companies, not just salespeople, how companies are having to adapt um, and all the millions of dollars and reorganizations that are happening in, in the enterprise mm-hmm. uh, to to adapt to this change, I do think it's significant. Um, you know, I believe that this digital transformation that the that the world is going through, and especially within the enterprise, um, you know, corporations out there, that um, it it needs to get a name. It needs to be called out so that you know the right resources and and, and people can get put behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one of the things that I I think about when I you know, I think about these changes, and I, you know, in my career, I've been through significant changes as well. I mean, 
you know, I was not to date yeah. myself, but I sold before the internet, and <laughs> um, you know, and did a lot of things so, our kids will never understand. Yeah, but it sold a lot to major enterprises overseas, where you know I was, you know, picking up the phone and dialing, making overseas phone calls, trying to you know work my navigate my way through an organization like you know British Telecom. Um, yeah, we had no directories, no saying, but. But one point I keep coming back to, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show, is, is, you know, I look at how much we sold at that point in time. And it was, you know, this was a startup and we were selling large multi-million dollar communication systems, but competing very effectively with, you know, big established competitors. But I don't see us necessarily selling anymore right now, right? When I look at salespeople and granted the models have changed and so on, but, you know, even the industry research reports are say, you know, we're not, our performance as a profession isn't really improving. So that's what I was wondering is how much has it really changed or how much is it just, and I know it's changed, but I mean, in a relative sense, is it just, uh, you know, are we making excuses? Well, I do think, um, I mean, I, I, that's fair because I, I do think there are some excuses to it, especially when it's you know, the excuse of why they're why they're not able to keep up or why they're not staying competitive or you know why I didn't hit my number. Uh, there is, I I believe that you know you're right. There are some excuses within that, um, but the excuses should never be that you know we we haven't prepared ourselves. True. Um, true. It, and I think that's that's where that significance comes from, is that you know the the data is continuing to show and there's there's very clear trends on where the world is going um, in, in relation to um, acquiring customers and keeping customers happy and, and renewals. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, using the excuse of, hey, we're not able to adapt um, isn't 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 real or isn't valid. Um, because you see companies, and this is why startups are doing so well. In fact, I think you know you just alluded to it in the in the story you gave about how you were being extremely competitive and in, in even an overseas market. That when a startup is is scrappy and is trying to find a way, they're much more agile and much more open to trying new things than some of these established companies that have basically put process. Um, above all else, and cemented it, and it, it makes it rigid and unable to uh, unable to adapt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, let's dive into social selling. And I have to admit, I, when it, as I was preparing for the interview, and I was sort of crawling through a variety of websites and blogs and you know, other places I go to gather information, it was like you know the level of conversation about social selling has diminished quite a bit, at least to my way of reading over sort of like the last six months even. Um, am I just imagining or is it is something sort of happening? Like maybe there's this acceptance phase that we're finally into after after certain <clears throat> excuse me, certain portions of the sales world sort of we're in denial mode. Well I I, I would say that there are still some denial. Oh, there is. There um, is absolutely yeah I, I'm sure there's still denial um, around this whole idea. Um, and I've got my own like, theories as to why that is. Oh, well, um, yeah. let's 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 talk about those. Yeah, I mean, so I don't know if it's diminished. I, I would say that some of the buzz is is going away. Um, so it is probably leveling out. Um, now, I do, you know, I I do think that people are still looking for it, right? There's mm-hmm. still a lot of exploration and how do we, you know, get our salespeople to become more savvy within social networks how are they you know going to identify connect and engage with with these buyers in the in these different mediums 
Um, you know, and I've been saying this for years that eventually social selling is just going to be called sales. And I think in many ways it, it is like social is, is a part of every modern sales organization in some aspect. If it's not being led from the top um, and actually, you know, being you know, pushed down to the to the teams and, and how to leverage these tools and these applications and platforms, mm-hmm. individual reps are taking the responsibility on their own and doing it on their own. Yeah, well, I would. You used an interesting word, which is sort of becoming, <coughs> excuse me, sort of becoming like a, I don't know, a buzzword is, you know, modern sales. And, which is great, and I appreciate that. But, you know, we have lots of people listen to the show who, you know, sales professionals doing a great job, but by the definition we use of modern sales, they're not. You know, and I've given this example in the show several times of, you know, talking with a, a company earlier this year that, that uh, 100-year-old company with, I think, about 60 outside field salespeople, number one in their their market segment, so established company, you know, their strategic initiative for this year was to install the first CRM system. <laughs> and that's that's the world outside, outside what I consider sort of the tech bubble. Yeah. Is that, you know, we have people in this modern world who are selling proficiently, but not using any of these tools, really. I mean, maybe they're using LinkedIn to, to connect in some cases. But, you know, once we get beyond sort of, well, sort of that first level of, of, let's say, social in their sales stack, that may be it. Well, I think there's, all, there's also a maturity model, right? When you look at every single industry across, across the globe from, you know, the tech um, industry down to healthcare or manufacturing, um, I, you know, I think that they're each in their own stage of that maturity model of, you know, becoming modern sales or, you know, transforming themselves digitally. And we're, you you see it typically first start in the marketing departments uh, where, you know, they're realizing that to acquire new customers or to stay relevant um, in front of their competition, they have to become more digital because that's where the world is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that that stage, the maturity then trickles into, okay, well, what else can we do? How do, how else do we transform this company to becoming more relevant in this, in this, this new era of the internet? And you, you see it then trickling into the sales teams. Now that's not to say, um, I, you know, I come across companies all the time who are skeptical to this idea of leveraging social, um, in any capacity because they've been operating, you know, in some cases, like you said, a hundred years and they still knock on doors and they still make phone calls. And that's basically their entire MO and it, it's working for them. And I think that it will continue working for them until somebody else comes into that industry and totally disrupts it. And that's where you see these, these behemoth companies struggling, uh, because they can't keep up because somebody else has figured out a new way, some type of hack, um, to get in front of those customers that they already have and, and the new ones by leveraging digital tools. Um, and that's where you see some of that scrambling around for how do we, how do we stay relevant? And well, I see it even like in the cement industry, like there's, you know, companies like, like Cemex mm-hmm. who you know, manufactures um, and distributes, you know, c- cement and, and other, other building materials. Um, even they um, are seeing this, this trend where they need to become more digital. Um, and their sales teams are starting to adapt to it also. Well, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. But I, and I think this is one of the challenges, though, that, that you know, A, I'm trying to sort of address with this this podcast and by having people like yourself and other uh, people from the sales tech world in. It's like, how do, we, how do we help people start making this transition? 
because, and I think social is a great first step to do that, by the way, because it's certainly one of the, the least cost steps to, to going forward in the digital transformation. But you know, I have a hard time convincing people. And that's why I tell stories like the one I told with this company or other companies that you know, have huge inside sales teams with, with no sales stack at all. <laughs> it's like you know, like a homegrown yeah, not even CRM. Well, I mean, they, they have a home. In this case, mind. yeah, I'm thinking companies have a homegrown CRM they've written, but no basic tools like you know, sales intelligence tools like you know, email tracking or anything like that. Just nothing. So it's like, how do we how do we help them? You know, start making this digital transformation because it. I really feel like there's this sort of us versus them thing that's out there. In well, I think in, it comes down to education. Um, and, and that's probably the most proactive and, and positive way of going about it. The other way is sh- sheer disruption, um, like, I, like I was mentioning earlier. Mm. So when you can show a company the data around either, let's say, let's talk about the social space, of where the customers, where their buyers are actually spending time online and the things that they're talking about. Um, you know, it, it starts with listening uh, for a company. It starts for listening when it comes to a salesperson. Uh, you know, understand what's being talked about. Um, and what that volume looks like, um, you know, with the email tracking, with thing, things along those lines. I mean, Im- imagine going to a sales. In fact, it, it's it's kind of crazy to me that you know that would even be a conversation where a salesperson wouldn't want to know how often an email is opened, <laughs> if those links were clicked. Uh, you know, that data drives decision making. And well, yeah, and I think the sales people do. I think it's yeah, it's it's a management issue, right? It is, yeah. And if that's the case, if it's a management, a change management issue, then the the leadership needs to understand where the world is going. And they are either keeping their hands in their pockets and pretending like it's not going to, you know, change their lives. And in some cases, it won't because they're going to retire in the next five, 10 years, um, you know, or they, they need to wake up and say, hey, if this company is going to continue to be the top in its class, whatever that means, um, they have to start adapting to this this new era of, of you know this digital transformation that everybody's going through yeah yeah no i, I agree and it's it like i said it's, it's the way forward is is really sort of interesting because yeah i've got another client i'm thinking of that's a you know, household brand name um selling some very sophisticated technical products and you know pretty much the same issue Right, the salespeople are armed very lightly with with uh, the tools that could really help them. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes salespeople just don't want that change either. Right. Well, I mean, there's I an element. That. There's certainly an element to that here too. So, yeah, that's why I said we're trying to trying to get the word out. So, another question I have for you is is um, <sighs> sort of along the lines of what we talked about before, but but we're still sort of left with this semantics battle i call it out there i got an email this morning subject line cold calling is dead (laughs) i love that blink 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 is dead conversation yeah i just i got pulled into it about a month ago well and i I think it's like and i said this a couple weeks ago on another interview it's like the most pointless arguments we can possibly have um (laughs) and spend any effort on in sales is you know saying something is dead, right? I mean, it's like first of all, cold calling is not dead. In fact, you know, I've got a renaissance in cold calling happening in in many sectors, including the, the tech sector, a SaaS business. Yeah. Um, so, and ironically, this email came from a SaaS company, so that's using cold calling. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like, yeah, can't we just stop? 
you know, can't we just stop? Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, it's like, I, come know, on, people, that's uh, granted. Years ago, um, you know, it was about 2010, so about seven years ago, uh, when I made the switch, what I called, you know, when I when I switched to the dark side and, and, and took my first marketing role out of sale, uh, being a salesperson, mm-hmm. um, you know, I thought that the best way to start cementing this idea of this, this transformation in the sales stack, you know, the social selling as, as we coined it, um, you know, it was, we had to make an impact. And so the best way to do that was be sensational and mm. say things along the lines of, you know, the cold call is dead and, you know, the social is the way to go. Um, and I was young, naive. Um, and in, again, you know, in many ways I felt like being, explosive or, you know, confrontational with that type of, uh, of language um, needed to be done because it, it's what woke people up to this whole era that's that, that, that we're facing now. And grant, um, granted. You know, come grow into this, to the realization. And, and I, I believe, I believe this all along that it doesn't matter. It's just a medium, right? It's all sales. Right. Uh, we gave it a name. We called it social selling. We did that because it needed some attention the same way that, you know, in fact, I had this conversation with a, with a friend of mine, um, you know, on Facebook just yesterday around this idea of women in sales. Like, you know, is it, is it even correct to even ha- give it a name like that? And I believe it is because if there's a problem, if there is something that needs to get addressed, you have to name it. You have to call it out um, right. and you have to put a spotlight on it or it's never going to get any attention or resources um, because people are just not – they're not going to see it. Um, and so I believe that that's what social selling is. That's what the digital transformation of sales is all about. It's about highlighting this benefit, this problem that companies are continuing trying to sell things. And they're trying to get in front of as many buyers as possible. They're trying to, you know, set themselves apart from the competition um, and establish themselves in whatever market they're, they're, they're operating in. And, you know, the traditional methods in many cases are not going to be as impactful as the ones that, you know, the buyers are actually paying attention to, which in many cases are social networks. Um, and putting a name to it and calling it out, I think, is, was, is, is still the right thing. Uh, but eventually, at the end of the day, it is still just sales. And you have to use whatever applications, platforms, tools, email, phone, whatever it may be, to get in front of those people. Um, so there's always going to be a place for cold calls. Granted, they sh- they're not going to be cold calls, I hope, in, in, the, in the desperation. <laughs> yeah, you'd, to- hope, you'd hope not, right? And that's part of my argument. It's like, like this, this uh, document, this ebook, this this particular entity was pushing. It's like, you know, sort of roll my eyes. And it's like, Okay, fine. Yeah, what you're really saying is we need to make warm calls, not cold yeah. calls. But it's like I believe if a company is actually engaging in traditional cold calling tactics, they are setting themselves up for major failure, and are you know it's it's a sign of desperation. Well, yeah, they're, they're done they're, something terribly wrong if you're resorting to handing people basically virtual phone books and saying just call these people and, and get their get their attention for us. Right. Yeah, you'd be a lunatic to do that. But I mean, the fact yeah. is, the fact is, you know, this idea of making warm calls. I mean, I was practicing that decades ago, right? I mean, without all these all tools, the it, work, right? it like, just it just makes just makes sense. So it's like, can we just sort of stop with sort of this, you know, I don't know, divisive rhetoric about you know, cold calling is dead, and then when people spend all this energy online and these forums and and you know, LinkedIn discussion threads, it's like. Just does. I mean, it seems like we're sort of mirroring like political discussions, right? It's like <laughs> we have to we have to we have to demonize the people who we don't agree with, you know. Because if I'm right, then 
you must be wrong. Somebody else is wrong. Not only must you be wrong, you're stupid too. Right, <laughs> and that's sort of what it. That's I always what, stay away from the from the personal name calling. Right, but that's what it sort of has but, descended but, to. You you read these discussion threads, it's like, oh come on! I mean, this is like uh, you know reading a a comment section on a New York Times article or something. It's like, just stop! It's so unproductive. And to your point, it's it like, is unproductive. Sell, selling is selling. This is just one tool, and you know, granted, making an impact as you talked about back in 2010 and getting people aware of it. But at this point. Yeah, if you're not using it, and if you're not proactively making phone calls to customers, warm calls, then yeah, you're missing a bet. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a, a lower success rate than than the ones who are leveraging, you know, this this warm aspect of either through social or through referrals or through some other aspect. Or my point was, if if you're not using all the tools you just spent, yeah, you know, if you're fortunate enough. And here's the thing that where people get trapped, right? Because we talked about excuses before, and I see this all the time in sales organizations is, you know, people will be reading about, well, we should be able to do this without making cold calls. Oh, that sounds so good. You know, because I hate cold calls, right? Yeah. And then they wonder why they don't have any prospects. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, this is not an all or nothing type thing. You know, if you live in a, a company that's, you know, extremely successful, at, you know, how they target their marketing, you get all these highly qualified leads coming in fantastic but you know for the 99 percent of the rest of us you know we gotta use the tools at our disposal and and you know we use social and we use proactive outbound calling and all these uh, you know email and all that stuff to fill our pipeline yeah and, and every buyer is different um you know so even though they may be using some type of social network you know they may you know be on twitter um you know, talking about either their favorite sports team or you know promoting their company whatever it may be um, or updating their LinkedIn profile. Uh, you know, some people are much more accessible on a phone anyway. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time that, you know, I get bombarded with email. So if you really need to get a hold of me, the best way is not to send me an email. Um, you know, the people who know me fairly well and need to get my attention, like they'll send me a text because, you know, I'm mm-hmm. always on my mobile device. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, the, the salespeople just need to learn all the different ways and become masters of every way of connecting with, with these buyers and then figuring out which way is best for each individual. Um, it's not an, it's, it's not a, a cookie cutter approach to everybody. Um, you know, and that's what salespeople are good at. They're good at this one-to-one communication and they just need to find the best ways to do it. If it's email, fine. If it's getting them on the phone, fine. If it's text messages, SMS, um, then do that. But you, you know, it's one of those, that those learning, uh, you know, processes for every salesperson to figure out how to connect with individuals well and that's there's no hiding so for anybody listening to the show there's just no hiding right i mean it's it's you got to do what you got to do and if and i know people like i said they grasp for some of these latest you know methods like social selling and others because they think it's gonna take away the need to do the things that are really hard in sales (laughs) and may lessen some of that pain. Um, but but I mean, again, I think that social selling is more about the, playing the long game yep. than, you know, you know, trying to fill your pipeline this month or this week, whatever it may be. You know, social selling is really about how are you establishing yourself as a professional within a specific industry um, with that idea of, of generating, uh, generating new opportunities and connecting with, with the right people. Um, you know, I, and I said earlier on, you know, the, the selling habit, you know, visibility creates opportunity. And that is the, the best piece of advice um, I came across when well, uh, I was in sales. All right. So let me let me ask you a question about that, though, because this is this is an area that's still 
very controversial is, and I think it was from a, a blog, or, blog article actually on Hootsuite that I read that said that um, 92% of B2B buyers are willing to engage with, this is a quote, willing to engage with a sales professional who is, known, who is a known industry thought leader, a reputation you can establish by consistently posting thoughtful, relevant content on social media. Yeah, most sales leaders say, I don't want my salespeople posting anything. You know, in terms of this, like, idea of them being a thought leader. I mean, so... Yeah, it's, it's an excellent point. Um, so I think this the, that data actually comes from either the IDC, because um, I know the stat. Um, it either came from an IDC or maybe even something that LinkedIn had done um, internally or, you know, with their with their own serving mm-hmm. capabilities, with their massive database. Uh, but this idea of, you know connecting w- with these decision makers is, you know, and, and being seen as a thought leader. Um, I think it's just, it's just the wrong words. Now, I don't think that most sales professionals, most, I don't think that most professionals, uh, regardless of what their role is, want to be thought leaders, right? That's, that's, a, there's a very select group of people that actually strive to be seen as a thought leader in a space. Like Coca Sexton. <laughs> well, we can get to that in a second because I didn't strive for it. <laughs> well, no, I, am not, uh, I know. It but happened, I do though. believe that most professionals, regardless of role, want to be seen as experts in something. There is some level of um, you know, awareness that they want to achieve. They want to be seen as credible within the industry they're in. Well, and this and, is, well, I'm going to interject for a second, though, because yeah. this is really a critical point, is you don't want to be positioned or conceive of yourself as and position yourself with your buyers as a sales expert. It's the expert on what you're an you know, expert in the, what, yes, correct. Yeah, an expert in the specific space that you work in. But I mean, there are no shortage of LinkedIn profiles from salespeople that what they're really touting is their sales expertise and the customers don't care. No, because again, you know, this idea, well, you, part of this, again, I'm going to say visibility creates opportunity a million mm-hmm. times, but this whole idea that you create your LinkedIn profile um, based on 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 your own, you know, uh, ego. Um, I'll just, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, your you, we we went through this transformation even when I, I'd been at LinkedIn, um, and I still promote it whenever I talk to companies. Is that individuals need to move from resume to reputation, and most people create their online personas as if it's their online resume. They talk about, you know, it's all about me, me, me. Here's what I've done. Here's the greatness that I, I've accomplished. Um, and it, with the hopes that somehow this is going to help them get a better job. But that's not really the purpose of these of these networks, um, if you're using them as a professional. I mean, it, maybe it is for a short period of time, but hopefully you have a job. So your profile should be focused on your customer. It should be very buyer-centric mm-hmm. so that when somebody goes to it, they're actually getting value from it and not just reading about you know how many times you've gone to club because most buyers could care less. They want to know how you're going to add value or solve their problems, and that's how you should be leveraging these social networks. And it's not, unfortunately. And so one of the things that's, that's sort of a trend that, yeah, a little off-putting oftentimes <laughs> is we're seeing you know, just within the last six months, it's like uh, the updates, people posting updates instead of articles that are these questions and then they, you know, tag everybody and their brother to try to yes. elic- elic- elicit a response <laughs> from them. Uh, you know, I think that's one of those tactics um, that 
translates over from you know a Twitter or a Facebook. Mm. Uh, LinkedIn is is it, it, as great of a platform as it is. Um, you know, LinkedIn always gets upset when when I talk about them and say anything negative because I used to work there. Yes, uh, as great of a platform as it is, like you know, they're still catching up to some of these social capabilities. Um, like the idea of mentioning somebody in a status update is still relatively new and comparative to you know Twitter and Facebook. Right. Uh, you know, on LinkedIn, and some people that you know just abuse it. Uh, and I see it all the time. Um, you know, I, I kind of let it shrug off my shoulder, but I can see how it can be an annoyance for many people, um, especially within the context of some of these updates are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, here, here's here's a question, and maybe the last question because we're beginning to run out of time here. But I thought it was really interesting. And this also came from the same Hootsuite blog post. And I, I thought it was the most. There was a no sure the statistics is. You know, list of statistics as long as my arm in the article. But the one I thought was actually the most authentic and honest was that it said 38% of sellers had no idea how social benefited them. And that's because they don't measure it. Um, you know, it's 38%. I mean, that's a, it's a pretty large group that actually do see the value. Um, but I'd say those 38%, it's because they're them as individuals or the company have not found a way to actually track this. Um, effectively, um, actually, I had, a, I, had a diff- I had a different interpretation, oh. which yeah. is not not that they didn't necessarily see value, but it's like a lot of things in sales these days. Is and a lot of data we get is is we see correlation, but we confuse that with causality, right? And so we, it's not like I think that thirty eight would never stop using it because they know it's doing something. They just don't know what. And I think we have to start the issue in sales in general with you know with all the sales technology and so on is. I don't want to do without. I use a lot of it. I don't want to do without it. But yeah, even the data is sort of misleading in terms of you know quantifying the real value we're getting from it. Because you know, by the same token, we get these reports from CSO Insights and Forrester and so on saying you know sales performance, sales productivity doesn't really seem like it's changing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I you're right. They're probably still continue using it. Um, you know, and again, I think it's it's a, a lack of understanding of what that value is. Um, if you know, yeah. So how do we capture of, that? That's really the question. How do we capture that in a way that's really meaningful? And instead of just you know data point after data point, which I said is is maybe correlates, but doesn't really get to the heart of the matter of why things happen. Is how do we really you know how do we put this whole thing to bed by saying yeah? Well, I this think is, you, this, you is, this, tracking, is, this is the outcome. tracking the activity. Well, it's really it's really out outcomes, right? Yeah, it's outcomes. I mean, that's the why sales leadership, you know, traditionally looks at how many phone calls have you made and what was your talk time. You know, that those two metrics should equal out to some level of pipeline generation if if you're good in sales. And you know, the companies that are doing this amazingly well, you know, be it ADT, uh, Microsoft, um, SAS, uh, you know, they have built activity metrics in this. So when did you connect with them? On, on LinkedIn? When did you start following them on Twitter? Have mm-hmm. you engaged with any of these status updates? And when they're able to measure that, along with the other traditional stuff of email and phone calls and, and demos scheduled and things along those lines, they do see how this is helping out. And that's why they're investing so much heavier into this, into these technologies and into this, the training for their sales teams to become more efficient at these these activities. Interesting. So that I like. And you don't don't hear of many companies actually doing that. And it's 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 growing. It's growing fast. Um, you know, yesterday I was actually at at a huge enterprise. Um, uh, you know, in in Palo Alto, that 
uh, is is starting down this path, and they realize they've been you know they're a, a massive corporation, um, and they are now coming to this realization that they need to start equipping their their sales force with the right tools and process um, to become more effective in the in this age where they're seeing their com- competitors already taking business away from them in, in in these in these networks. But to your point, is then also tying in the the social selling metrics with their other metrics, you know, other activity metrics. And that's what they're trying to figure out. Is a complete like, picture, how yeah. are we actually going to track the, the value from this outside of, we can't just give these people all these tools and, and, and teach them how to leverage, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn to identify um, conversations and engage with it. Like, how are we actually going to measure it? Oh, and you know, the, the best way of doing that is within your own CRM. And so finding ways to add that activity as easy as possible, mm-hmm. um, either automatically uh, through a platform or, you know, some easy drop downs or something that the salesperson's already doing when they're in their CRM uh, to track that behavior um, and then optimize for the best outcomes. Okay. I'm glad I asked that question because that that's very encouraging. If we get start getting that holistic look at things, then then that to me that's that's exciting, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, as long as we sort of like sort of said, well, yeah, you do this the social selling over here, but we're not really tracking it because it's yeah it's just sort if of it's not generating pipeline yeah then you shouldn't be doing it, right exactly and so you have to find ways to measure that uh and, and and there are ways um you know 10 years ago there wasn't very many ways um and that was one of the big struggles that i had uh when i was initially started talking about this whole idea of social selling there were very little metrics in place but now technology is actually caught up and you know companies are being able have have innovated and figured out like they can track this activity and they can say oh after the second voicemail connect with them on linkedin follow them on twitter reply to a tweet then send them an email and reference all of that and your chances you know grow x percentage and you know when a company can map out those behaviors that playbook they have a blueprint for success that they can just run run through love it love it Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I asked that question. Perfect way to end the show. Coca, it's a pleasure talking to you. We're going to have to do this again here shortly. Absolutely. Hey, um, I'll, I'll come on anytime you want, Andy. All right. Well, good. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. So um, tell folks how they can connect with you and get hold of you. So the best way to get a hold of me, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Coca Sexton. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and you know, follow the, follow the Hootsuite blog. Uh, you're going to start seeing a lot more content from, from me on there as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Coca, again, thanks for joining me. Friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back again tomorrow. Join us for another great episode of Accelerate. So, thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 